0: Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go.
1: We all need to communicate uh, a little bit better instead of you know thinking we all have this unique kind of concept. Because face it, I think everything's been done before and it's all about execution and consistency is how we actually do well in food and
0: beverage. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with John Strader, founder of Hatchet Hall, who's seizing opportunity in these uncertain times. With an estimated 30 to 50% of all restaurants permanently closed, what does that mean for the future of the industry? What does that mean for those of us still in the game? Today we chat with John Strader, who's using his grit and tenacity to build his empire when land is cheap and competition is low.
1: Yeah, I started working at Houston's over in Santa Monica, or now it's called Hillstone. Mm-hmm. i worked there for two years and i really absorbed the systems and culture of what they put in place and i learned a lot in those two years especially since it was la not an easy place to kind of transition to as a 21 year old either it's kind of like you get hit in the face you get knocked down it's uh one of those places where you have i think it's like a year it's like a make or break where people stay if they make it a year they stay longer Right. If they don't make it the year, they go back to wherever they came from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Houston was like, you know, a very hard like environment to kind of do well, and I excelled in that. And I just kind of absorbed, 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 working, you know, probably six, seven different restaurants up till I uh, was met Brian, uh, who I work with now at Hatchet Hall, Brian Dunswar, and Chris Tominaga, the time on the uh, and they had a, an idea to do a pop-up in the whole Capri space over on Abacani across the street from Tasting Kit. I forget mm-hmm. the name of the restaurant it is right now, uh, but we did a successful run of a pop-up for nine months that just, like, absolutely crushed it, and it kind of gave us the momentum and kind of the courage and to kind of go out on our own, and then we went over to West Hollywood inside the Polly Hotel and did Heart and the Hunter, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, like, really where I kind of started... Started at like excelling in terms of like a management role because I never really had that like management experience. I've always had like leadership in my blood, but I never really was given the opportunity, or I wasn't really ready for it yet because I was still growing up myself. Because you know, when we did the pop up, I was 27 and didn't own a car and just kind of you know ran them up through Venice, skating around and drinking and you know <laughs> acting like a bozo, <laughs> well like you know most 20 year olds should be doing at the time. So I definitely don't have any regrets of, like, how everything played out. like, now that I'm a little bit older, I feel like I should have done a little bit more already. But I think that's kind of, like, it aids to who I am and kind of, like, the grit and hustle I have is because I've had so many life experiences. So going to West Hollywood and seeing that neighborhood, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And then, you know, we wanted to get out and away, and Brian and I decided to kind of go off on our own and kind of start to build a little bit more momentum. So we took over the uh, existing Flores restaurant over on uh, sawtell and launched the uh, Ladies Gumbo Society. Mm-hmm. And that went uh, extremely well. Jonathan Gold, you know, had rave reviews. We got him in. Saved a failing business. Uh, there was some drama that kind of happened at the end of that, of which, you know, we opened escrow on uh, Waterloo and City, which is now Hatchet Hall. And the guy that we were working with who – Kind of over over promised, uh, under delivered. Kind of in terms of what the conversations we had and what uh, uh, hired us. So when we were conceptualizing Hatchet Hall, we were you know making four hundred and fifty dollars on on unemployment for you know six months, and you know we're not in the best positions financially. But you know we just it's kind of like what's happening today. It's like all you know, you just got to keep going and keep your head down and try to keep the m- momentum like. To be able to, like, you know, want to work for yourself, it's not the easiest task. And there's, you know, a lot to learn, and there's a lot of mistakes that can be made along the way or you never be able to, like, get out of the hole that you put yourself in financially. It's like, so we got to Hatchet Hall, and,
0: you know, what was that? I was going to say, were you guys able to dig out of the hole at Hatchet Hall?
1: Yeah, it was nice because we've had, you know, a good five-year run. We've really kind of figured out who who we are as individuals and as operators and as entrepreneurs and, you know, Brian is a chef. He's really found his feet of like who he is and like the heritage cooking. And, you know, that's, you know, we've found ourselves inside the building and it's been such a great launching pad for us to kind of like take it to the next level of our, you know, our journeys, you know, collectively and, and, and independently. Cause it's like, you know, he's probably going to go do something different after like you know, this, covid riot kind of pandemic situation we're in right now so we're just you know we're both everybody's doing the best they can in the moment right now and we've had such a good run at hatchet hall but as you know as we've seen everything unfold like what what business what does business models of a casual fine dining restaurant look like in this environment so we kind of have to adapt on the fly and You know, we've come up with a a marketplace that kind of did well. We, You know, we've just basically sold all the beer, wine, and liquor inventory and came up with a couple things just to keep some money coming in a little bit. It's like we're not making money, but we just have a little bit of cash flow coming in to kind of service a few things while we have the PPP money to use as a bridge loan. So, I mean, we're all all in an interesting position right now, and nobody really knows what's going to happen tomorrow, and, you know, we're we're just planning to adapt like the rest of them.
0: So, well, and let's talk about that pivot because you're the first restaurant I've talked to that's pivoted to like a bodega style offering. What did you guys put together, and how how has that been received by the community?
1: Uh, the first, like you know, I want to speak as frankly as possible because I think anybody listening, to this it's like it's good to hear exactly how everything kind of played out, and we all can kind of learn from. Each other's mistakes and like what worked what didn't work because this whole COVID thing ever since march 15th since we've been shut down it's been like a uh, a contingency plan after a contingency plan oh, because yeah. it's been like you know and the lack of leadership from like the state to local to the the federal it's like you know it's like how they did on friday or what was it that they gave us the orders of, like, oh, you can just <laughs> open? And it's like, what, we can just open? It's not like just turning the lights back on. Right. It's not as easy as that. And it's like, you know, it's you got to have sanitation protocols and get, you know, chemical deliveries and things like that. And we, you know, we decided to shut down this week coming up so we could relaunch on Friday. But that's, you know, that's not happening. But getting back on topic of what we did for the market, we did, you know, very well curated market boxes. We got some merch going. Uh, we did a couple, you know, family style meals for pre-order to go. And, you know, the first couple of weeks was great, you know, but then I think the appetite for people, you know, they want to support and they want to keep everything going, but it's not a sustainable model to like mm-hmm. operate on that as a kind of a, a more of a luxury brand to kind of like put inside that environment. You know, it's just like it doesn't really it doesn't translate. It's like you almost have to reconceptualize completely and start over to be able right. to kind of adapt to these COVID restrictions. So we were gonna launch on Friday as a, you know, Hatchet Hall meets a casual fine dining uh hybrid of like, you know, people coming up to the bars and being able to be socially distanced and operate on like a a number system and having a a bartender active service bartender where they order and then they go to the table, they seat themselves. We'll have one person working the floor, kind of educating the clientele on the new concepts. Uh, We got a variance from the city to have the parking lot as uh, permitted for alcoholic beverage consumption so we're going to put picnic tables out there and some planners and kind of run a uh, more of like a summer fast casual pop up out of the restaurant to kind of like get the confidence back of the of the guests to get them back in the building and try to just, you know, reduce labor where we can reduce product and inventory and run a little bit more of a it's, it, it's a whole different game. It's It's all about like the adaptability and being able to come up with like concepts on the fly, which is, you know easier for us because i think we're younger and we can kind of like we see what's happened it's not like the whole waiter service right now i think is dead for another six months at least
0: yeah so what, what worries me about the whole thing and it's one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is like what, what scares me is that we have to invest so much money in pivoting these concepts without any assurances that it's going to work or it's what the market wants. Because at this point, I don't think the market even knows what it wants until it sees it, right? No,
1: it has no idea. I mean, if people weren't spooked over COVID, we live in LA where, you know, now they're, you know, I'm like sitting outside of my house. I look over to the little Mexican restaurant across the street and everything's boarded up. So it's like, we've dealt with the pandemic and now we have riots and looting and, all these things that we deal with. So I, it could be a silver lining of like people not being as scared as as, as, to the virus anymore because this thing's kind of shook them a little bit more because everyone's in such a fragile state right now. And you know, it's, we, I think, you know, everyone will be a little tougher after this, which is I think good in the long run for everyone and everybody will come together, unite. And I'm living in Long Beach right now. And it's like, the whole community went out and cleaned up uh, all the broken glass and helped the store owners like help board up you know the the holes that were left and then the artists came behind it and you know have putting up murals of you know of beautiful art that like the city is kind of like really uniting and binding together in this moment so it's it's interesting it's there's nothing we've ever dealt with before and I mean there's days that you know, we all feel down and we feel like defeated, but we just got to keep kicking the can down the road and resilience is kind of going to be the name of the game. You can't stop. I mean, life must go on. So we have to keep, keep going.
0: Willing, you're not stopping. It's June 2020. Everybody's worried about losing their businesses uh, and you're signing leases. <laughs> Talk to yeah. me about that. So, uh, I mean... Uh,
1: Uh, I got an opportunity right when we got the, uh, order to close on March 15th. Uh, I have a friend who owns a building down in Long Beach, uh, where an existing restaurant was called, uh, number nine. He used to own it. He sold it. And the person that he sold it to has been operating the same concept for nine, ten years. So they were trying to get out because, you know, obviously the things affected everyone just morally and. Financially, and just kind of like you know a nine, ten-year-old concept. Like you know, people get tired, and they want one out, and they want to get out of the least. So I was able to get in for you know a, a, a decent price, and I'm planning on reconceptualizing it as a no-fuss New York-style pizza parlor, pretty much with subs and salads and sandwiches, and just kind of adapting to what the current economic market conditions are. Uh, I think everybody's looking for uh, approachability right now and an entry level experience. And I think, you know, you know, the, the categories of coffee, pizza, sandwiches, hamburgers, tacos are kind of uh, recession and COVID proof. So I had to make a decision on being able to provide for myself and my family to come up with something where a model that would work with me and my business partner Jack Leahy who's like the chef who you know we've been talking about doing a pizza of concept for you know just joking around about it and then when this thing happened I was like hey we should we should really go for it I have a space he's like cool my buddy will give us 50k we ended up raising a little bit more money but we were able to get it done on a shoestring budget and you know started pulling some you know pulling everybody together found like a really great person to help me out with the branding. And, you know, we found a good supplier for all things Italian imports and, you know, found a pizza oven up in Santa Barbara for 5,500 bucks with, you know, a discount on a stand mixer. And, you know, we're just kind of like trying to adapt and we wanted to create something that if all hell breaks loose, him and I can still work the concept ourselves and bootstrap it and to be able to provide and like weather the storm.
0: So that's yeah. where it kind
1: of came from. And I think it's we just we just needed to do something and it's like we're, you know, coming from casual fine dining, like, you know, these kind of concepts feel very attainable and easy to execute for us. So it's like confidence in that too.
0: Well, what's the revenue modeling look like? I like when you open this new concept, is is the realistic goal to make money or is it to, to break even and sustain yourself through twenty twenty?
1: Um, I think we're going to crush it because, you know, we're going to do pizza by the slice, uh, pulling, you know, some really delicious wine out of all the like boutique books that I know all, you know, at that case price of like 110 and under, and I'm going to play the, the closeout game of all the wine and kind of deliver value to a community that just needs to have an experience and go out. And I mean, I, I did it based upon like 750 K and it's still, you know, it, it makes money at 750 K because of like what the costs are for pizza and like right. the way that the service model is going to change of like, you know, being able to do a service fee. So there's low labor, but then everybody's able to have uh, you know a better wage and still be able to pull tips between the, the whole building, you know, and I think getting into fast casual right now, I've been wanting to get into it for you know a couple years now because of the unsustainability of what, the casual fine dining restaurant was current, you know, with minimum yeah. wage. When we first opened Hatchet Hall, it was like what, ten fifty an hour, and we're already at fourteen twenty five. That cripples uh, a business model that runs on ten percent margins. Like, it's not, it's just not sustainable. So right now, even for Hatchet Hall, it's a perfect time for us to reconceptualize into a model of a service fee that we can pay the whole staff a, a livable, workable wage right. instead of like having to pay line cooks. 17 bucks an hour, and then the servers are making, you know, 50, 60 bucks an hour, it's like, just because they don't, you know, touch something or have a guest interaction, but the intimacy of people cooking your food is way more of a guest experience than saying hello, but, I mean, I that's a whole other topic,
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's, that, that bridges to, to a great conversation I want to have with you about lessons and aha moments through the quarantine. You know, and being able to sit back and not work 80 to 100 hours a week, it really gave me the time to think about my life and my business and the things that that mattered to me most. You know, reframed through a glo- you know, through the lens of a global pandemic. Have there been any aha moments for you through this process and if so, what were they?
1: Uh, there's been a lot. I mean, working in restaurants and, you know, putting my heart, soul, and dedication into a concept like Hatch and Hall for the past five years. I also had a kid during that time, and I also bought my first house. So I haven't really had that time to reflect on anything. So to be able to like give my kid a bath every night and put him to bed and actually have that like, kind of like bonding time with my, you know, two and a half year old, it's been, it puts everything in perspective of what's important And yes, making, making money and creating concepts is important for me, but being able to not be a slave to our restaurants and to the employees and all that kind of stuff. It's really kind of been a, like an aha moment of like the balance of life of what, what we, you know, I think it's like family first, restaurant comes second, definitely. And I think that's kind of showed us that that is way more important more than ever.
0: Was it always like that? Was it always family first and restaurant second?
1: Uh, for me, I've always kind of struggled that a little bit because I don't know how to not give everything I possibly can to whatever I'm involved in. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, it's a double-edged sword for sure. It's like, you know, we, we're so connected with our iPhones and it's like we have our kids right there too. And We're always like, I'm constantly refreshing the email to make sure I can get back to somebody as soon as possible. Or, you know... You know this guest is complaining about this, and I want to make sure that I keep everybody happy. And I think it's created a good buffer zone between that and my family right now because I've realized uh, the obsessed, like how obsessed I, I kind of get towards certain things, that I've kind of like let that go a little bit and kind of thought of the big picture of where I want to go on the uh, entrepreneurial like journey that I'm kind of like on.
0: Isn't that an interesting thought? I mean, Lord knows, when, when you opened Hatchet Hall, I did the same for Pru and Proper. I did financial planning, schedules, the whole nine yards. Things that I have literally, up until recently, never done for my own life. I had never asked myself, how many hours a week do I want to work? What do I want my home life to look like relative to my work life? How much money do I want to make, you know, this year, next year, the year after next? Um, for me, that was a huge. I think were getting. Go ahead. I said I was getting an amber alert, so. Oh, did you hear it?
1: Yeah, it just went off. So yeah, uh, city of Long Beach, curfew at nine p.m. So it's not six p.m. So we're we're coming out of it. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Things are getting better by the day.
1: <laughs> yes, we got three more hours to get shit done. <laughs> uh well but you know that that that, that's that's been fun too it's like you know that's a that's another topic of like right now of like trying to build this concept out and get things done it's been so hard to get anyone to do anything because everyone's kind of just like rattled a little bit it's like having to like really you know i i don't want to have to push on people too hard to like get the necessary necessary tools that i need to like make sure that i open when I need to open. Cause it's like, I want to open by the end of the month. It's, yeah. That's like a little like crazy and all that kind of stuff. But I'm looking to get, you know, access to the building next week and all that kind of stuff and things need to get done. And, uh, it's, it's been, it's been challenging. So that's like one thing that kind of scares me coming out of this is like, what is the, you know, what, what is the, where's the hustle going to be for a lot of people that have been off of work for three months? It's hard to kind of like get back into that and kind of like really grow and kind of do it. And there's not going to be as many jobs, especially for the hospitality industry. Cause it's like, look at where I'm kind of thinking of going. It's like, Oh, I'm going more fast casual so I can reduce waiters and not have full service. And it's like, where do all like the, you know, front house people go after this that didn't really have the level of expertise of like management or wine buying or curation of bars or, you know, deep knowledge within the food and beverage industry. Where does it leave those people? And you know how it is. That's the majority of your front of house staff.
0: Well, it is. But, you know, I was speaking <laughs> with Oth- Othon Nolasco from Know Us Without You. And he brought up an interesting point. And he said that what it's going to do is it's going to eliminate the people that aren't lifers. What it's going to do is eliminate the people that are looking to work part-time for quick cash. And the only people that will end up working in restaurants are people that genuinely want to be within the hospitality industry. Do you think there's any truth to that?
1: Oh, I think that's super true. And I think the level of talent of where we can pull from now, it's going to weed out the trash. Because, I mean, that's the hardest thing to do. And I think for, you know, front of house hospitality management is to curate a staff that believes in the culture of what you create and guests first and, you know, having a good attitude and like, you know, being able to like really put forth their best, like, you know, it's it's good like a performance. Like that's what front of house is. It's a performance. It's like people don't go to the ballet or the theater anymore. They go to a restaurant and they want to be entertained. And that person that is that front of house person, they are supposed to check all those boxes now for how expensive everything's gotten and how much service costs for, you know, and all this kind of stuff like people need to bring it and I think that's what you know it's going to weed out a lot of concepts that shouldn't have been around I think you know it was flooded with a lot of people that probably shouldn't have been in restaurants and I think those people won't make it but the people that know what they're doing they're I think we're going to have a great run there's a lot going on right now I think this year is going to kind of like shake the tree a little bit and there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people that are able to kind of like put a lot of the stuff behind them and just really kind of focus on what they want to create, you know, because the real estate's going to be there, the labor force is going to be there. The hardest thing is going to be able to find people to give you money to invest <laughs> in food and beverage. After all of this, but that's another, you know, that's another piece of the puzzle of what you know. No one really talks about how hard it is to kind of like have people and still trust in you and to be able to go out and and, and deal with the. The rejection of like you know asking friends and family for money, and you you write them this like personal email, or you call them, and they you know everyone starts ghosting you because it gets so weird when right. you start asking people for monetary things to kind of support your dreams. But that's the only way you can do it. I mean, kind of coming from nothing. Like if you don't come from money or family, you gotta like hustle and raise money yourself, and that's a whole nother art and talent.
0: That's John Strader of Hatchet Hall. To check out his upcoming projects, follow him on Instagram using the handle StraderStrader. Strader. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.